Welcome to Tanversations. I'm Tanya, a 20-something working in venture capital and excited about the Web3 space. In this podcast, I'm going to be diving into the biggest questions that I have, mostly about work, but also about life and everything in between by turning to my elders that include venture capitalists, experts, entrepreneurs, writers, philosophers, activists, and even 26-year-olds. So grab your pumpkin spice lattes, kombucha, iced coffee, and 16th other beverage as we go through these conversations together. My guest for today is Alexandra, the investment manager at Cointelegraph Accelerator, who was also previously the vice president of strategy at Cointelegraph Consulting. Alexandra started her career in media with interviewing thought leaders and founders in the Middle East in 2015 when the startup ecosystem was in its nascent stage. She then launched an accelerator to connect startups to corporations. It was then that she got introduced to the blockchain space and started working with the company to provide blockchain services to the government. And from there, she eventually moved into Cointelegraph. Alexandra is also a World Economic Forum Global Shaper which is an extremely prestigious network of young leaders driving change in their local cities. In this interview, we talk more about her journey, her experience of being a global shaper, her perception on Dubai being a crypto hub, her take on the crypto industry post the crypto contagion of 2022, as well as interesting projects she has seen and is excited about for the future. So thank you so much for being on the podcast and my pleasure i'd love to start off with your journey sure so i i we just for the, your audience's reference we touched base a couple of weeks ago and had a super interesting chat and had a connection there so that's why i thought it would be super fun to be on your yeah. podcast <laughs> and i know i shared a little bit but i'll just go over it again um my background is super international which right now isn't too surprising because so many people live all over the world and have grown up all over the world but at the time when I was growing up I was um, singled out quite a lot um, by the community where I've lived because I wasn't from there Um, and I think moving to Dubai at a younger age um, has kind of shifted that perspective because it's a super international place uh, where everyone is from somewhere else and it's you know the concept of uh, third culture kids uh, that's like the majority of the population in Dubai so that was a super great place to be a part of and I think I've kind of maintained that global mindset uh, since then um, I finished high school there went to university in California uh, studied economics uh, because I wasn't too sure what I wanted to do and I wanted to keep my options open. Um, I mostly studied uh, cinematic arts on the side there, um, using all the spare credits that I had because I was really into film. And um, moved back to Dubai and started working at a media startup, which kind of made sense. Um, I couldn't really see myself in a corporate environment. Yeah. Um, And I saw a lot of my friends going into that uh, space and I just couldn't imagine myself there. So the startup environment was the right thing for me. And because it was in media, it was kind of related to what I was doing before with the cinema and film production. 
So what we were doing in Dubai was we were covering news about entrepreneurship and innovation in the Middle East region, which mostly consisted of doing interviews uh, with different uh, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, startups, corporates, etc. Um, and as we were doing that and covering uh, all this material and talking to so many different players, um, this was around 2015, 2016. Um, I noticed a gap um, kind of in the market where a lot of startups um, had so many bright ideas um, and were ready to execute on innovation, uh, innovative products, but were just short of resources um, to fully commit and fully execute on it. Whereas um, big corporations who were lacking some internal innovations because of the hierarchy that they already have in place um, had the resources that they could offer to the startups. Yeah. So I came up with this idea to create um, an incubator or an accelerator of sorts. It's kind of a hybrid model um, where we brought together innovative startups that were in the region that we really liked and really believed in and connected them with bigger players such as um, IBM, Amazon, um, you name it. They're uh, big government departments that were helping companies with registration and legal entity setup. Etc. So they were happy to be a part of this, um, to have that kind of you know startup innovation check uh, yeah. on their record to say that they're supporting the U the UAE and the MENA region ecosystem in terms of uh, startup growth. Um, in return, they also had um, some internal innovation by bringing these teams on board and having you know them implement some of their ideas internally, um, and they were able to provide um, all of their services. Uh, pretty much for free. So we kind of looked at whatever those startups were lacking. Um, some of them could be short on marketing. Some of them needed accounting support, uh, legal help, etc. And we brought players from the region who could support them in those different areas. Um, so it was pretty successful. We had um, startups actually from over 20 countries. So wow. it went more broad than the Middle East itself. <laughs> Um, some of them uh, moved and set up shop there. Some of them had a really good kickstart to just help them grow from that point on. Um, and as I was doing this and as, as I was working with different teams, um, Dubai as a place has a tendency of going through these hype cycles. And it's very, very obvious. Each year there is one technology or theme that's super prominent that everyone is talking about and obsessing over and all the conferences and, and events are built around that topic. So I think at the time it was blockchain um, and it was becoming super popular and there were a lot of companies uh, who were interested in it and uh, didn't really have, um, there, there wasn't a player who was providing services or you know blockchain technology related products, um, but everyone was interested in it. And in fact, at the time, the UAE government actually created a mandate uh, to move all of their government e-services onto blockchain. Mm -hmm by 2021 at the time. Um, so they had this goal and it kind of helped to uh, create this drive towards innovation across uh, different companies from the top down. So it goes you know, from the government departments down to the corporate world and down to the startup world. And um, there was a startup that I uh, have been in touch with during the incubation program that I've created um, who were based in uh, Luxembourg, but we're looking to um, open a franchise in the UAE. And um, 
I started working with uh, one of the partners and we created an office there. And um, we're mostly working with governments and providing uh, blockchain services, blockchain technology for uh, the government sector. Um, so this was before the crypto craze and we weren't related to fintech. Um, so it was more, we had blockchain protocol as a layer on top of which you build different applications um, related to government e-services. So it can be like um, a real estate register, um, education certificate attestations on the blockchain, um, some medical certificates, so a ton of different use cases. Um, and um, yeah, I think after that, after working in that space for a while, it was um, something that I knew I wanted to continue to be a part of, but um, it was getting a little, um, I think, stale or constricting to be a part of just one product. Yeah. Um, because you're just working, you know, in a startup, you're building one product and you're selling that product. You're kind of trying to innovate upon the same thing. Um, and I really missed uh, working with a range of different startups as a part of the incubation program that we had earlier. Um, so I started looking for new opportunities and um, came across uh, and got into Cointelegraph, where I am now, which has kind of combined all the things that I uh, had in my experience in the past and that I really enjoyed. So it's media um, and it's crypto and blockchain related. And uh, what we're doing now is actually um, launching an acceleration program within Cointelegraph for uh, crypto and Web3 startups. So um, I also get to work with a lot of that market um, as well, which is super exciting. Yeah, it's such an interesting story. You know, you started from like media, ended up, you know, working with Cointelegraph. And so, you know, because you're so integrated into the crypto blockchain space in Dubai, what do you kind of make of it as a crypto hub? Mm. Um, it's super friendly. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of companies from all over the world move there now and set up their headquarters there. Um, starting from Binance uh, last year, I think, who have relocated there, and then a lot of other big players have followed. Um, but even prior to that, I think a couple of years ago, Abu Dhabi Global Markets, I think it was, uh, who issued something like 25 different permits and licenses for just crypto-related business operations in the UAE. Uh, which not a lot of countries have. And I think the majority of the countries in the world still have restrictions on, you know, cryptocurrencies in general. Uh, so that's that makes Dubai really friendly ground. And also uh, they, that goes hand in hand with the low tax uh, policy. So yeah. making it super friendly for earlier stage startups as well uh, to move there. So I think, yeah, we'll be seeing a, a lot more innovation. And like I said before, Dubai is really an example of how it's most effective uh, from the top down when the government is really open to innovation and very startup friendly and supportive of that um, environment and of different industries. Uh, that's when where we can see real growth and real results because you're not just, you know, struggling to make something work in a place where it's it's more difficult than elsewhere. Yeah, definitely. And so while I was also kind of, you know, talking to you and also researching for this podcast, I discovered that 
you are a global shaper with the World Economic yeah. Forum. And for people who don't know that, it's actually like a network of young people under 30 who really focus on addressing local or global problems. Mm-hmm. I wanted to learn more about your experience, you know, being a global shaper. Yeah, I think for me personally, I think people go there for different reasons. Um, for me personally, it was for networking um and meeting people in new places mm-hmm. uh so wherever you're currently based in the world you can join the local global shapers hub um and have a network there so moving to a new place um it can be super helpful uh to meet people from outside your industry from outside your school um and kind of diversify your network in general and learn about cool things that are going on and to meet people with a similar mindset as you because if if you, you can imagine people who would join an initiative like global global shapers probably have a set of you know values and ambitions and interests that probably align with yours um and it's a very high concentration of people like that uh which makes it super super interesting and super fun to learn what everyone is doing in different industries a lot of people i've met are um having doing their own startups doing their own projects both in like social environmental space and just all sorts of businesses um so that's been super cool to learn about as well yeah and now just diving a little bit into crypto uh as an industry so obviously recently you know there's been a lot of things happening and the industry has been getting like a really negative rap but what do you kind of make of it after FTX and the crypto contagion that's still going on? Um, well, I think because I've been in this industry uh, for a little while, not super long, but quite a while enough to see to have seen this kind of stuff happen in the past with the ICO bu- bubble previously. Um, and these things have happened before. And I think these kind of things will continue to happen again. And generally speaking, um, every industry goes through these kind of economic cycles, ups and downs, um, not just crypto. Um, I think it's more uh, prevalent right now in the crypto industry because there's a lot of, uh, it's kind of under the spotlight lately. Uh, there's a lot of heat on it, um, a lot of regulations that are trying to catch up to the development of this new industry. Um, so there is, you know, a lot of examination and analysis analysis that goes into it more so than in other industries that we're more used to and that are more regulated because they've been, you know, established for much longer. This is the space is still evolving. It's going to continue to evolve. I honestly don't think that this is a big deal. It seems like the end of the world to a lot of people when you're really in it, especially if you're an earlier stage project um, mm-hmm. who is still riding on, uh, let's say, fundraise money or you know relying on vcs um to help you out now with the recent events vcs are being much more cautious um and so a lot of startups are either putting their operations on hold or um are unable to extend their runway for much longer which is um very unfortunate but it's bound to happen um at some point and this is just one of those points and it's going to pick up i mean it's what happens uh, there's no there's no other um, alternative yeah um, so I think what we're going to see over this period which I'm actually really looking forward to is um, 
the establishment of very strong, uh, talented teams building valuable projects and products that are going to add real value to the Web3 community um, and that are much more sustainable, um, who will survive and ride through the bear market and come out the other end much stronger and bigger than when they started. So yeah. I think it's super exciting because it's going to remove a lot of fluff that we've seen, you know, with in the previous um, era with the bear market. Um, and we're going to be left with uh, very cool use cases. Yeah. Can you share any interesting use cases, projects that you've come across recently? In the oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's so many. Um, a lot of really cool GameFi projects. Um, we're seeing a lot of cool DeFi projects. And this industry is still evolving super fast. Um, there's, I think, a lot of demand. Uh, from Web3 users for more, much more user-friendly um, DeFi products. Yeah. Um, and so we're seeing a lot of projects trying, trying to innovate in that space. And it's really fun to see how different projects have different approaches and how they're innovating in different areas. So I think that's a super exciting segment. Um, I think um, social media in Web3 is another one. Um, right now, it's a bit hard to imagine something taking over, you know, Instagram or TikTok or LinkedIn. Um, but we, we have seen some cool projects that are targeting the Web3 community, um, Web3 recruitment, for example, recommendations. And um, it has real potential. I think we're going to see those that segment grow as well. So th that's just a couple that, that come to mind. Yeah. And just kind of tying into that, what are some spaces that you in particular are excited about? Oh, um, well, I think the ones that I have mentioned, um, I'm kind of interested to see where the NFT um, vertical will go now. Um, I think there's kind of a split opinion on whether NFTs should have utility to yeah. have real value and to be sustainable, or if it should just remain a collectible and be worthy on its own as a piece of art, for example. Uh, so there are differing opinions there. And because of how much it skyrocketed last year, I would be interested to see where it kind of goes uh, moving forward. So that's that's one space I'm keeping an eye on. Um, we did something exciting uh, at Cointelegraph uh, just a couple of uh, months ago. Um, we decided to launch a historical NFT collection mm. of uh, Cointelegraph articles. So as you know, our articles are super memorable and have this very unique Cointelegraph style that you'll recognize anywhere. Um, and so we decided to um, make our articles mintable so that our audience can actually collect them as digital assets, as NFTs. And it's super cool. So we've seen users um, collecting um, articles across different segments, like someone who's a fan of Elon Musk has been collecting <laughs> all of the articles about Elon Musk. Someone has been collecting articles about like the evolution of Bitcoin itself or Ethereum or Vitalik Buterin. Um, so yeah, you name it. And people have different um, sentimental value that they attach to different events that have happened. And Cointelegraph has existed since 2013. I think it covers like the entire history of <laughs> blockchain and Bitcoin. Um, so yeah, that's, that's been super, super fun to give, do something like that for um, our audience. And we've seen really, really nice response. So that's like one use case that I'm more hands-on familiar with in the NFT space. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. And 
yeah I think these are kind of all the questions that I had and I'm so glad we got to do this I think the first time that I spoke to you I was just so kind of you know amazed I thought you had such a cool interesting story so I knew I had to get you onto the podcast so really appreciate you coming on super happy to be here thank you for having me thanks